This morning we're going to continue now in the Word of God. That's the Bible. We're going to spend some time. We actually just wrapped up a series on leadership. We did three weeks on leadership. We're doing two weeks here on, on uh, called Change Required. Um, and it's this idea that change is something that really does happen. All these things I'm going to talk to you about came out of a leadership offsite we did at Family Bible Church. Um, if you don't know, Family Bible Church has a, uh, a leadership team comprised of nine men that we believe are called by God to lead. Um, and maybe you've been hurt in church and you think, oh boy, here we go. The people in charge are going to tell us all what to do. That is not how we function at all. Like we believe the biblical command is serious. That we're not to lord it over people. That we're to submit in all humility to one another and to you to serve you well and um, just give our lives for each other. And I, I, the more we walk this out together, the more we take God's word seriously, I'm talking like not just as a church, but as a leadership team and as individuals, the more that he changes us. And I sense that in my own life, and I also my brother sense that as well, and some of you have just experienced incredible life change uh, from submitting to God and one another. And so um, that's what we're, we're doing. So we spent some time, we, we took a, a day, and we spent all day together kind of praying through what God is doing in Family Bible Church. And the last three weeks was on this idea of how we actually see the church functioning leadership-wise. And so we shared that with you. By the way, I've had some people ask me what those things were, so I'm just going to tell you again. We always say Jesus is the boss. That's the first thing above everything else is Jesus is in charge. That means no matter what happens, good or bad, we're down with it because Jesus is in charge. And we will follow him anywhere, right? So then as we work that out here in this local church, it looks like we are elder-led, pastorally charged, and congregationally affirmed. And that's some crazy language, but it means that we believe that God has uh, called some, some men to lead, and, and we have um, uh, you know, appointed them for leadership. Like, we have commissioned them for leadership. And then um, a few of us, myself, Dan Burns, Chris Robarts, who's not here this morning, um, are set aside for specific tasks for the church that, that the church has asked us to do. And that's a combination of what you ask of us as a body, and it's a combination of what the leadership team asks of us as men of God to do for the, on behalf of the church. And so we're kind of set aside. Um, and it's not special, it's just different. And I would love to talk more about that because I don't have it all sorted out in my head. But I just know it's not that, you know, it's not like we're in charge of everything. That's not how it works. We're actually submitting to the leaders and to the body itself. Um, and then congregationally affirmed is we come before you guys anytime there's something, commissioning someone or talking about a major change in the church, we're going to bring it before you guys for discussion and discernment. And I told you last week that when you believe in Jesus as Savior, he gives you his Holy Spirit to dwell in you and battle for righteousness. And this is a gift that will last you the rest of your life. Like the rest of your life, you'll be living with God in you. And so we should use that gift for the good of the church um, to honor God and to bless one another. That's what we're called to use our gifts. And all of us are part of that story. So that's why we get congregationally affirmed um, leadership in Family Bible Church. I mean, you are part of what's happening here. And so we're super excited about that. Well, that was all the first thing we talked about that day. The second thing we talked about was this idea of change. And uh, I want to throw it out there. You know, on the front side, this is where this kind of idea came from for this two-week series. There's two major convictions we had. And, and the first is that we realized, now Family Bible Church, if you don't know, started in 2005, right? And uh, many of us weren't here when the church started. And, and, but God was at work, and so um, some of us have come on after, and we've been looking back. But what we've realized, especially as the years tick by, we look back and we realize that things have changed, right? Now, that might sound like a silly thing to talk about. But, you know, sometimes we get in denial about change, don't we? We're going to talk more about that in a minute. But we just de deny that, we've, that things have changed. And so the leadership team says, no, yeah, we recognize things have changed. But that's not the radical part. To me, the radical part was that 
when we got together and prayed and talked about it, we, we discerned and we said we are okay with God changing us. Now, that might not sound radical, but there's this kind of wacky thing that happens in any institution, organization, uh, in our own lives, um, where we are resistant to change. We believe to change, we would lose something. And therefore, we, we resist it, or we fight it, or we deny it. And when we try to live in, in a past, we try to live stuck in the past when God is calling us toward a future. And there's no agenda here, by the way. There's no, we don't see where this is all going. We're following Jesus together. But we recognize that we are not only have we changed, but we are down to change as God wants us to change. We will do what he wants us to do individually and as a church body. And so that's a conviction we came, came to ourselves. Now, just so you go, okay, I came to church, and, and uh, um, I'm excited, but I, you know, I don't want to just hear about Family Bible Church and what's happening. I think this principle we're talking about applies to all of us in our lives. The scripture today we're going to study um, talks about this kind of uh, radical change that we undergo in life without recognizing it, and then the call to be radically changed uh, by, by Jesus Christ um, himself. Uh, so some of the problems you might have if you, if you aren't comfortable with change is um, you, you kind of think it's working as best as it can the way it is in your life. And, and, and there might be an opportunity that comes up that you're afraid of, or, or there might be, um, you know, some, some, some situations that have come up in your life, now listen to me, that, that you didn't go the way you planned, right? I mean, I think we're, we're very comfortable with change we plan on, but we're not very comfortable with change we don't plan on. But life has this way of, of confronting us with the reality of our own limitations. And the God who is God over life has a way of waking us up and having us pay attention because he is the God of change. And he will lead us into new pastures, into new lands, into new places that we would have never selected if we left our own plans. And this is uh, the story in the Bible repeatedly we see. Some of the ways we might see this manifest in our own lives is like, we'll say things like, um, we don't do that around here. You know what I mean? Like someone will say something crazy and you'll be like, yeah, but we don't do that around here. That, that's a resistance to change. You'll say, I'm not open to that kind of change. Here's another thing sometimes you'll say, yeah, I tried that once, right? Anybody ever tried something once and it went really, really bad and you swore it off? Yeah, some of you are honest today in church. Raise your hand on that, right? I will never do that again. And then an opportunity comes and, and someone or, or God says, hey, try that again. And you're like, nope, tried that once, didn't work, not going back. You know what I mean? Like once bitten, twice shy kind of a thing. That's a fear of change. And, 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 that, and that's, that's kind of a lie that we tell ourselves. That if it didn't work once, it won't work again. Or that if it worked once, now listen to this, it must work again. It must work again. I want to talk to you about our God who is in the business of doing new things, right? That means that if he, he does something, and I don't know if it's like someone's marriage is, you know, in the toilet, and it's just bad, bad, bad. And, and they have this one experience, they do this one thing with this one person, or they go to this one weekend retreat, or they watch this one movie, or have this one date, and it changes everything, and God uses that to transform their marriage. Then they come to you, and your marriage is in the toilet. And you want to try to take that and stick it in your life and make it work for you? Might not be like that, right? Because God is the one that does it. I see this more often in church life, you know. God blows something up big time and then people line up, especially pastors, man. Pastors are the worst. Line up and saying, give me the recipe for success. Don't give me Jesus. <sighs> Confession that we would rather succeed than have Christ. Stop it. Stop it. 
God Jesus, the God of new things, the God who leads us where he wants us to be. And that is true whether it's in church life or your life, your parenting, your marriage, your job. Follow Jesus. I can't say that enough to you. All right, so we're going to study a passage of Scripture that, that kind of illustrates the starting point, maybe, of this, or some realities of change in our lives. And it comes in this beautiful, simple passage. It's in Matthew 18, verses 1 through 5 is all we're going to look at today. There's more there, um, and you can read that. Um, oh, I skipped it. I'm sorry. I'm pushing this. This computer's a little laggy today. So um, Matthew 18, verses 1 through 5. I don't have a page number for you today. Um, but it's toward the back of the Bible. It's in the New Testament. It's um, the first letter uh, of the New Testament. So if that helps you out. By the way, there's an index in the front. Also, electronic devices are awesome. You can find stuff usually quicker. Um, but I like uh, paper myself. So we're going to read this passage, and we're going to pray a minute and talk through Scripture a little bit today. Verse 18, chapter, chapter 18, verse 1. At that time, disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I'll tell you the truth. Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. I'm going to ask that you would pray. That's a little bit of scripture. You can read all around that. We're going to talk around that a little bit. But I'm going to ask you to pray. The reason we pray is this. We believe the Bible is God's holy inspired word. That means he inspired it to be written down, to be understood. And we're going to pray this morning that he would help us to understand it. And not just that, but to apply it to our lives where he knows that we need it. And so would you please join me in praying uh, to him. Father God, we have come here today to worship you and sing you songs of praise and glory because you're worthy. Uh, Father God, we join the angels in all creation as we sing Hosanna, as we say hallelujah, as we say holy, holy, holy are you. Father God, it is the truth of your reality in this life. Father God, I thank you for the fact that you've given us eyes to see and ears to hear the good news. I thank you that we join all creation in the song of salvation. I pray, Father, this morning as we come into your house that we would uh, take off the stuff that keeps us from you. I know it's a vulnerable place in here, Father, with you, but we want to know you and we want to know the truth. And, and sometimes that hurts us, but we want to hear it so we can be changed. We want to know the gospel that is good news that calls us forward. And Father, as we come seeking you, would you please teach us? Um, would you be present to us through the power of your Holy Spirit? And for my friends who don't know you today, I pray that you would draw them near to yourself. And what we, we Father, uh, we don't want it to be about us. We want it to be about you. And we want you to set people's hearts on fire for your glory because it will never go out. It will never extinguish if it's of you. And so will you do that work for your glory and our good today? All of us submit ourselves willingly to you. We bow down and we say you're worthy of following. And we will follow you all the days of our life. Will you do that work in our hearts and lives today? We'll give you praise and glory as we read and seek to understand your word. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so, um, so a few things in the scriptures here is uh, this little commentary. And you've, who've heard this before about Jesus calling a little child to himself? Almost everyone's heard this story. I mean, if you went to church when you were a kid, you heard this story at church when you were a kid probably, right? 
But what's crazy about Matthew 18 is it comes right in the heat of a whole bunch of churching, teaching to the church uh, about what it means to follow Jesus, about what his kingdom is going to be like. I'll remind you that this comes right after the transfiguration. That's where he picks a few people to go up the mountain to him and the glory of God is revealed to their eyes. Like they see the glory of God in the transfiguration of Jesus Christ. They recognize that. This happens right before when they come down. They, they see miraculous healing where Jesus heals people, demonstrating his, his authority. This comes after Peter recognizes and confesses that Jesus is the Messiah, different than any other teacher that's ever come, different than any other man that's ever lived. And in that place and in that time, we have this passage of Scripture about Jesus calling the little child to himself. The other thing about the, um, uh, this context is afterwards he teaches the church. And this is what's actually funny about it because see Matthew 18, if you're on church for any length of time, Matthew 18 mostly is referred to as a discipline or accountability scripture about how the church should work. But if your brother sins against you, go and tell him one to one. And then if he won't admit his sin and, and repent of his sin, bring two or three witnesses with you and tell him the sin again and see if he'll repent. And, and most people, when they refer to Matthew 18, refer to that. But right before that, Jesus has his disciples ask this crazy question. They say, teacher, and he says, the word says, at that hour, <laughs> you know, at that moment. I mean, after transfiguration, after the, the Messiah being proclaimed, after the healings that are happening, in that moment, the, the, the disciples begin to see that they're bound for the kingdom. They're bound for the kingdom of God. And they ask a question, who's the greatest? In the kingdom of God. This is a very crazy question for the disciples to ask. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of God? And, and Jesus says this. I just want to read it again. He called a little child and had him stand among them. Right? He called a, a small child and had him stand among them. I want you to get the picture of this, right? Because sometimes we make the Bible about out there, not like right here. It's like right here. This is kind of what it's like. There's some people following Jesus, and they're really close to him, and they think they're figuring out the kingdom of God. And, and they're getting really excited about what God is doing, and they ask this kind of self-serving question. They say, who's going to be the greatest in your kingdom? Right? And in the middle of this crowd of adults, in the middle of this crowd of people who have a rabbi, finally, who have someone they can follow and give their lives to, these guys had left everything to follow Jesus. In the middle of this, Jesus calls a small child to stand, what does it say, among them. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? I mean, these are the same disciples that when the children were coming to see Jesus, they were shooing the children away. I want you to see the picture. Grown-up life. All these big adults trying to figure out all the problems of the world. And Jesus calls in a small child and has them stand among them. This, I believe, demonstrates the first reality that we're going to talk about today, and that's this, about change. That all of us have changed. All of us have changed. And, um, you know, there's, I told you we live in denial about this a lot, and the family Bible church leadership recognize it. Man, we've changed a lot since 2005, you know, and, and we hear a lot about that. But, you know, in our own lives, we've changed a lot. I mean, there was a real deal that day that, that the, the men that were following Jesus were confronted with the fact that they started like that. They started like that, little guy. And now all of a sudden, 
something's happened. And, and it, I don't want to be too hard on them, but Jesus does not seem to affirm their question. As a matter of fact, what we're going to recognize in a moment is he doesn't even answer their question. He doesn't answer their question. He calls this child. It's a crazy, crazy thing. Um, so, I want, there's much we can talk about with this, right? I'll say a couple things about it. The, fir the first is this. Many of us forget where we've come from. I think it's kind of like, um, you know, the, 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 the change is so great. Have you ever had the moment where you bumped into someone uh, who hasn't seen you in a very long time? And they're like, oh my gosh, you look so different. Now here's the problem with that statement. That could cut two ways, couldn't it? <laughs> right? That could cut like, oh my gosh, you look so different. You used to be a nerd, or you used to be heavy, or you used to be ugly, or you used to be stupid. I don't know what it was. I was almost all those things at one time in my life. And people who see you later after years are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it's you. That's the good side of it, though, isn't it? Because there's people who will say, oh my gosh, you look so different. <laughs> And it's because you used to be thin, or you used to have hair, or you, you, know, you used to be married and happy. I don't know. You know what I mean? And they're like, wow, you changed. And the crazy thing is for you, you don't see it until someone says it to you. You've changed. And, here, and that's kind of how it is. Like in this moment with Jesus, when the disciples come and they say, Lord, who's going to be the greatest in your kingdom? He looks at them and he says, oh, you've changed. You've changed. And he calls this little man to stand there and show them. That's crazy. I just think it's important we recognize we've changed. That's all. Good, bad, and otherwise, we've changed. And that's part of what God is doing in our lives. But this seems that he does imply that this change isn't good in the disciples' life. That they immediately go from being in awe of who Jesus is to wanting to know how they stack up in his kingdom. And that becomes the second point of this passage because in verse 3 he goes on to say this, And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Right? Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter. And that means that we all must change. We all must change. This is one of the paradoxes in faith life. Because some of us see a faith of a child, and, and, and we're excited, but we're also like, man, life hasn't happened to you yet, right? Uh, or, man, whenever I was eight, I believed in Jesus, too. Uh, whenever everything was going the way I planned it, I believed in God. But I'm not so sure anymore. And we become cynical and bitter. I mean, you know, we become naysayers. I'm not saying all that. I mean, you know, we, we, we grow up. We become honest. Uh, maybe, hopefully, we become honest over time. And we just don't, oh, it's, it's, and Jesus says, no, now, you've, you have, but you have to change. 
And he says, unless you change, you will not even enter the kingdom of God, which is crazy to me. Because they go from jockeying in a position of authority or, or hierarchy there to not even maybe getting in because they're in the wrong position with God. They must change. You might think, well, that's not fair. But man, again, I want to tell you over and over in the Bible, that's what the, Jesus talks about. You must be born again. You must be like an infant all over. You know, you must start over with God. You must recognize that your brokenness and see the offer of Christ on the cross. This is the reality. We all must change. And, uh, and I don't know, that, that's, that's really crazy. And then the, the funny thing is, though, too, about this is the transformation belongs to Christ, not us. I want you to understand that. So it's not like I'm going to, see, it's not like a New Year's resolution, but it's like the reality of encountering God where you recognize that he's God and you're not. You must change to enter his kingdom. You must be different. And then we rightfully have the conviction of, we're supposed to be like that, not like this, you know? I mean, and there's all kinds of adjectives you could put in there for that little kid then, right? Little kids, they, they believe the best, you know? I want you to think back to your own childhood for a minute. I'm not going to do nothing weird, but I tried this myself as I was preparing this message, and I was thinking about it, and I thought, you know, think back to the time where you just believed things. You know what I mean? Like you just gave people the benefit of the doubt. You hadn't had any friends betray you yet. You know, you haven't had your parents fail you yet. You haven't had people in authority kind of abuse their authority over you. You know what I'm saying? And I, I got to be honest with you, church. Like I got to go way back in my life to a time where I remember that kind of pristine serenity. Because it started early for me. The failures. The brokenness. It started early in my life. And so whenever I read this passage and Jesus is like, you got to be like that. i got to remember that guy. Who was that little man who knew God was good? Who was that little man who would boldly try things because it was going to work out? Jesus says we're called to be like them, like them. Um, shows them a child. I don't know. I, I, I feel like there's so much to do uh, with it, and, and, but it's about not doing, ironically, right? It's about being different. We've talked so much in this church about submitting to God's authority and believing he's God and, and trusting him no matter what's happening. And, and I'm not talking about blind faith, but an, a, a, an honest faith, a faith that, that perseveres in spite of trials and difficulties, a faith that chooses to believe and has joy, joy never-ending. Um, I don't know. We, we continue to walk uh, after Jesus. Um, by the way, this fact that Je we all must change, I believe was demonstrated in Jesus' own change in the transfiguration, right? I mean, that's what it means. Transfiguration means be to, re to, to reconfigure, to change in front of someone. And uh, disciples had seen this change in Jesus. And then I want to say something else about this, this passage. I want you to notice this, because... I, we can't miss the context of this text. It, he doesn't say you must all become like this little child, as if that's the perfect child to be like, right? That he randomly picked out of the crowd. But he says you must all become like little children. 
And I think it's significant that it's plural. Why is that significant? In this text, we have the adults who are following Jesus begin to kind of wrangle with one another about who's the greatest. You know what I mean? They begin to kind of get unsettled with their own position with God. And he says, you must all become like little children. That's what he actually says here. And it's something that he does in us toward one another as much as it's toward him. We recognize he's our father, we're a child, but we also recognize that we're in it together. And again, I'll remind you, can you remember the day when you were on the playground or you were at someone's house and everyone was included in the game? Everyone was allowed to play. You know what I mean? Jesus says you must all become like little children to enter the kingdom of heaven. Otherwise, you won't enter like that. So, um, and then we get some specific, okay? And so, I, I do want to get to that. This is what I, he says, you must humble yourself. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest. So, he does answer. Humility is the way to be great, which is funny because it's counterintuitive. I mean, and then there's false humility, which makes it really complicated to try to be humble for the sake of being humble is a failure. You actually have to be humble. You actually have to think less of yourself and more of others and definitely more of God himself. This is the reality of the change we must undergo. We must submit and be humble like a child. That This is the, um, the reality. And, and God says um, this is um, the requirement to be in his kingdom. We all must change. And then the last thing, we're going to end with this, right? But it's this, that, um, let's see if it changes here. <laughs> but uh, all of us have changed. All of us must change. And then everyone needs change, right? Everyone needs change. And um, I say that because, okay, to be received in a culture, in a group of people who actually believe the gospel is a different experience in life. And I'm going to confess to you, this is like the hardest, hardest thing to do as a person. Because we're so stuck in the ways of the world and, 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 and judging things the way the world does. I mean, the, the, the Bible says that men judge with their eyes by what they see, but we aren't to judge that way, right? Um, that, and so there's this reality that if you are truly immersed in a, in, a, in a Christian culture, if you're truly in a Christian community, there should be people who will receive you in a way that allows change. And that first means that Jesus didn't throw the disciples out when they asked the question. He kept them in the circle, didn't he? And he said, the little kid, come here, stand with these guys. I want to talk about what it looks like to follow me. But they were still there. We have to find a way to do that as a community. To recognize that we've changed, to recognize that we need to change, but to also allow people to change. I'll, t I'll talk about a couple of things because, and by the way, this comes from verse 5. Whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. Whoever welcomes the humble child in my name welcomes me. Whoever welcomes the one who thinks less of himself than of others welcomes me, right? I mean, Jesus is saying, this is what I look like. This is the way I come. And he doesn't just mean that one child, but he means anyone who would submit to the authority of Christ, anyone who is submitting to God in that way and is welcomed by someone else is welcoming Jesus into his kingdom. That's crazy, but that's what it, it, it's the way we position ourselves in Christ. And so as the body of Christ, when we see people who are 
who are humbly coming to seek, to find a way, we receive them with open arms. We, we allow them space to change. And this is what I say is the hardest thing, because it's not, it can't be conditional love, okay? We, we can't say, I love you if. I'll only keep loving you if you keep changing, because it's the work of God in their lives, but we can love them as they change. And we can certainly join them in the journey of change. And here's the kicker. We need to change ourselves. We all need it. Right? And so um, Jesus says, that if anyone welcomes a little one like this, welcomes me. Man, I hope we're, we're becoming that. And I hope that we're the kind of place that, that sees that things have changed but is open to what God is doing and changing us. And I really, and this is radical, but I hope that you're open to, to things that you don't see coming right now, good, bad, and otherwise, that you'll believe Jesus through all those, all those things. Um, everyone, everyone needs it. Um, right. I'll, say, I'll say one more thing here. There's something about coming to Christ and recognizing our sin that the scripture says that in the cross, God chooses not to remember our sin. I'll remember your sin no more. There's something that happens in the Christian community where we might have a tendency to remember sin longer than God does and thereby entrap people in their past. And I think that that's not of God. We, we, we certainly don't forgive sins. That, you know, he forgives sins, but we certainly don't hold sins over people. And I don't know, I, I just felt compelled to share that today. I don't know what it is, but man, would you pray with me that we could see with the eyes of Christ, that we could, we could love with the heart of Jesus, and that we could rightly um, allow people to be free from their past, free from sin and free in Christ to change as he leads. Uh, it's a scary journey, and it's not an easy thing to do, but I think we're called, called to do it. All right. So uh, we're going to have a final song, and before we do, I'm going to ask you this question. I want to say this very clearly, but Jesus invites everyone to change. And I don't know how good or bad your life is, but I'm telling you, Jesus is inviting you today to change. He's inviting me to change. He's asking, Bill, are you going to change today? Are you open to what I'm going to do in your life today? I want to say to you if, you, if you never believe that Jesus can change you, um, I hope that today you'll pray and believe that. If you, if you think you've changed too much from that innocent child, that there's too much that's happened and you can't ever be forgiven, I want to proclaim clearly today that as a lie, a lie and that it's not of God, because it's found nowhere in Scripture that he says, I will never forgive that sin. He actually says, I paid the price for that sin on the cross. And then if you're stuck in Christian culture, I mean, and you're so afraid to do anything, you're afraid to change, you're afraid to be honest, you're afraid to get in a family group or, or, or serve in some way because I would invite you to pray that God would change your heart on that matter. He would open doors. I mean, there's so much happening that God is involved with and uh, we can all be part of it. So today I'm going to invite you to just be changed by Christ. Uh, pray with me if you would. Um, Father God, we come to you in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus Christ, uh, who gave his life on the cross that we might be free. And even as we were saying, crucify him, that we might be free. I mean, it's mind-boggling 
Um, that's the reality of the gospel, Father. Um, that we don't bring anything of ourselves to offer you except a repentant heart. A broken and repentant heart, Father, that we are not as we should be today. And so, Father, I pray with my brothers and sisters here today that um, you would break in into their heart. I prayed the prayer earlier, Father, that um, you would convince them that no one would need to convince them because they're going to be convinced in and of themselves with you. And that, Father, we could become the kind of people who love like Jesus loves and who, uh, who, who um, risk like Jesus risks. And, uh, Father God, for the work you're doing and the transforming power of your Holy Spirit, we give you thanks and praise. We ask for more. I mean, teach us how to love people unconditionally. Teach us to walk with people through, through sin and doubt and frustration and brokenness. Teach us to walk with people through joy and seasons of, of, of blessing. Uh, teach us to, to believe the gospel all the time, all the time, Father God, for your glory. And um, I just pray that you would do a work today in our lives, that we could live out this scripture in life. Would you be glorified through that? That we would follow you not just Sunday, but every day. And not just when people are watching, but when nobody's watching. That we would believe and follow you every day. Will you do that work for your glory and for our good? We ask you to help us with that. And we ask in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.